Welcome to the Roadman Cycling Podcast. My name is Anthony Walsh. Six days a week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you on your journey towards health, happiness, and longevity. Now let's get into the show. Today's show sponsor is AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. Now, we all know I've been drinking AG1 as part of my morning routine for months now, and it makes me feel like I'm giving my body something good first thing in the morning to get the day started on the right foot, an early win. For me, the fact that it supports my immune system has been a game changer. Every week, I'm pushing my body to its limits, and to be honest, getting sick used to be a big part of my season that I just accepted. So frustrating to put so much effort in, reach a target event, and then get sick. But AG1 has helped me build a really healthy foundation. Even if you're not racing, training and competing like me, but you want better gut health, a boost in energy, immune system support, increased mental clarity and focus, and to give your body the nutrition that it so badly craves, you need to be getting on board with AG1 and its 75 high quality ingredients. It's a small, easy habit that delivers massive benefits and helps just about everybody take great care of their health. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash roadman. That's drinkag1.com forward slash roadman and check out this amazing offer. Details are all in today's show notes. Well, hello all you beautiful cyclists. Now, this week I stuck a post up on Twitter where I mentioned that I had just returned from a three hour ride where I stayed at a heart rate of 110 beats per minute for the entirety of the spin. And I said in the post that my winter training had really kicked off. Now, when I say kicked off, I mean shuffled off because my speeds on that ride were so incredibly low. It was almost embarrassing. I think coming home along the coast, I had a block headwind and I was maxing out at about 14 kilometers per hour. But my post did seem to pique a lot of interest and I got a load of DMs about it and a couple of emails about it. So I want to talk about it today. And I also have a very special guest coming in at the end to give some tips on how you can incorporate this training into your winter. Right. So first, I want to talk about what is low heart rate training. Why am I even bothered doing it and how this new approach, well, what's it going to look like for me over the winter? And after a few years of going harder and doing more and more and upping my intensity with my cycling training, I've gotten to the point where I need to take a step back and build a proper fitness foundation. And even though I can still hold in on the group ride or I can do a really long gravel spin, I know that I have to change from the ground up if I want to kind of go that extra mile with the sport. I've grown to love this sport so much and I just want to keep on improving. And next year, I'd really love to keep racing and I'd love to have the fitness to enjoy the racing rather than just getting my ass handed back to me and getting a beating every week. This winter, that's what I'm really going to focus on, building that really strong aerobic base. And the low heart rate training I'm going to talk about today is going to help me do just that. Now, it goes completely against the grain of the mantras we're constantly bombarded with at the moment, the no pain, no gain, the do faster, go harder, 
do it longer. Well, we're bombarded with those messages, but this type of training is the opposite. And even though riding around at this very slow, leisurely pace sounds like a dream to a lot of people, it really does bring a lot of frustrations to the fore. And I'm going to talk about those in a minute. But firstly, what is low heart rate training and why should you consider it? Now, I think the winter is a fantastic time to have a look at this type of training because for me, it's it's perfect. There's no races, there's very few events and the focus is really brought back to your training rather than performing. And during this type of training, we're going to build a really strong foundation of fitness and we're going to focus on the importance of developing that aerobic base fitness first. And this is how we do it. We do it through this low heart rate training and only after after we've built this strong foundation, then we move back into our higher intensity cycling. And over time, the ultimate goal is to cycle faster, but have your heart rate lower. So therefore, you have more of an endurance power. And that's to be used both in your training and your racing. Now, there's so many benefits to this type of training. By training at this low heart rate, your body becomes more efficient at using oxygen to produce energy, and that improves endurance over time. Training at these low heart rates increases the number of mitochondria. Now, mitochondria is the part of the cells in your body that actually makes energy, and this type of training improves their efficiency. The more mitochondria that you have and the healthier that your mitochondria are, the more energy you can create from fat burning. And this means that you can go faster at the same heart rate or lower, which is so it's basically like magic. It's also going to improve your fat burning. So low heart rate training, it actually teaches your body to burn more fat for fuel. And that has so many benefits, not just weight loss if you're looking to shed a few pounds, but it's also going to improve your race times because you can actually use fat as a fuel rather than sugar. And since we have a nearly unlimited supply of fat, aerobically fit cyclists who pace themselves will we'll still have energy left at the end of the race or the long ride. And that's a time when so many cyclists are forced to slow down or stop. It helps with that improved fat burning and using fat as an energy source. It'll also help lower your chance of injury because you're training a lot, okay? Your training hours might go up, but you're actually putting lower training stress on your body. And training at these lower intensities reduces that stress. It reduces any stress on the joints, the muscles, your tendons, and therefore you've got a lower risk of injury. Now you're going to have faster recovery because when you're going out there you're not going into these zone three, zone four, zone fives. You're not activating the sympathetic nervous system and really ramping your body up to a 10 out of 10 stress. You should come home from this ride and feel you know what I could actually go out and do that exact same ride again and if you're feeling exhausted after one of these low heart rate rides your intensity is probably a little bit too high or the length that you wrote is probably too long. I also feel that these low heart rate rides, they have the potential to really increase this kind of mental clarity on the bike. And because you're not going into the red every single time you're on the bike, it can turn cycling into this relaxing experience. And that, of course, will improve your mood, your mental clarity, it'll reduce your stress. And of course, I have to mention improved sleep because, again, you're not activating your sympathetic nervous system. Your body is in a nice 
calm flow state and that's when you can get your most restful and restorative sleep okay there are a few cons so I'm not gonna lie (laughs) there is a lot of frustration in starting out and to say that low heart rate training is humbling that would be a understatement In the early stages of this type of training, you're going to have to slow down significantly to keep your heart rate low. My training pace this week was 110 beats per minute and the pain is real trying to keep below that. You have to really, really focus. And by slowing down, I mean creeping along on your bike at some stages and you have to resist this urge to speed up when somebody passes you by. You know, someone passes you by, you're like, I'm definitely faster than that person. That person probably is, you know, 20, 30 years older than me or it's some old gent or old lady on a bike and they just kind of chilling out and they're passing out and you know your gut you really just want to go chase them down and pass them and show that you're dominant and that you are in fact stronger and fitter but you can't do that you gotta keep your ego in check that discipline and keeping your heart rate low and your intensity in check means you're gonna have to overcome that ego you're gonna have to relinquish the short-term joy of training hard with high intensity and you have to think longer term and holding back is a really big part of this initial journey the other thing I will say is that I'm gonna have to change my measurements for success and on my ride this week using this system I did a route that would usually take me about two hours 20 minutes or so and In order to stay within my heart rate zones, I had to come to basically a walking pace on the bike at times. If I was going up an incline with the headwinds, it took me about three hours to complete that exact same route. So what I've realized is that I need to change my outlook about training data. I need to stop caring about my pace and distance covered and focus on my heart rate and the amount of time I'm on the bike. So with that little mindset change, it now won't really matter anymore if I ride 40 kilometers or 80 kilometers. All I'm really going to care about is how much time I'm going to spend in my correct training zone. So from today I'm going to change my settings on my bike computer to only show my heart rate and my workout duration because when my average speed was on my bike computer when my watts were there right in front of me it was breaking my soul so I'm going to remove that information from my bike computer going forward and you know what the other thing is to trust the process I really do trust this process and I know that my initial frustrations are going to turn into joy and this is really going to work for me Yeah, it's going to be frustrating in the beginning, like quitting any other bad habit. The benefits are going to start becoming clear after a couple of short weeks of discipline. And that's the kind of key word to have here, discipline. So if you're looking to start heart rate training, just know that it's going to require some sacrifices in the short term but it's going to be worth it in the long term. So that's what low heart rate training is and why it's beneficial. But how do we do this training? Well, because this training is completely new to me, I have brought in our resident expert, Anthony. So Anthony, if someone wants to join me in all of these amazing benefits from low heart rate training, what are the steps? Firstly, thanks for having me on your podcast, Sarah. <laughs> I'm bringing the big guns in. I just kind of felt, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to fumble my way through this how to low heart rate training. And I was like, hang on, I've got an expert 
he lives with me I can just ask him to come on so yeah big guns are here Lower heart rate training is very important and it's something you're going through at the moment. I'm in more of a training to train phase and then I'm going to get back into it. So the starting point for lower heart rate training, because heart rate is a subjective measurement, there's not one heart rate that you can say, okay, go out and ride at 120 beats and that's going to be perfect for everyone. It's unique to you. 120 beats for you could be 140 beats for someone else. So you need to define what lower heart rate training is for you. And there's a couple of ways you can do it, but quite simply, an easy test is your maximum heart rate. So looking back over your data for the past 12 months, seeing what your maximum heart rate is and then setting your zone one up as 55 to 65 percent of your max heart rate range. Zone two, 65 to 75 percent. Zone three, 75 to 82. Zone four, 82 to 89. And zone five, 89 to 100 percent of max heart rate. The old school kind of 220 minus your age is pretty outdated now, but you should have enough data from your today's plan, training peaks, Strava, breakaway app, whatever you're using for your training to quite easily define what that max heart rate is. Okay, amazing. So that's kind of how you get your your max and your heart rate that we want to do our low heart rate training in. So one where I'm doing these super long sessions that, as I was saying, can be completely frustrating, but do you want to stay in low zone one? Because the zones cover a, you know, a range. So do you want to be in low zone one, high zone one, low zone two, medium zone two? Kind of where do you want to make sure that you're definitely staying in? You're predominantly looking to stay in zone two. And I think it helps to understand why you're spending time here. So maybe just for the purpose of this, I can contrast zone two and zone one training. When you're in zone one, you're predominantly focused on aerobic training. You're leveraging mitochondrial oxidative phosphorylation. And that's, as I said, up to 65% of your maximum heart rate. Now, when we go above 65% of our maximum heart rate to 75% in that window, 65 to 75%, this is where we want to be working. This is our zone two sweet spot. We're transitioning to the glycolytic pathways and it's significant for improving mitochondrial density and function. And that's our primary goal of riding in zone two. Okay, amazing. So you're actually agreeing with the conversation, the uh, information that I get out earlier in the podcast. So I can breathe a sigh of relief there that I haven't tripped myself up over it at all. So yesterday you put me out on an epic ride for three hours, zone, low zone two. For me, that's 110 beats per minute. I ended up doing a bit longer than expected just because I was going, my speed was so much slower than I thought it that that route would usually take me to do. But how many rides per week? What duration? And how many months do you need to do this low heart rate training to really see the benefits, to build that really, really solid foundation to kind of then start building in intensity? Yeah, so it's a good question. And we're normally dictated by the seasons of our racing season. And we kind of go from a winter into a spring and then into race season and people typically abandon it. But that's probably not the best way to approach it. If we look at more uh, mesocycle structure and we're looking for our first block of training, this is going to back to if you listen to my interview, me and Joe Freel literally have a 90 minute discussion up on YouTube talking about this. And in your first block of training now, I'd be recommending, you know, three to five zone two sessions per week, depending on the level of a rider you are. And a zone two session could be anything from 60 minutes to six hours. That really depends on what your goals are, what your lifestyle is like. And if you're physically able to do that much training, you can't go from zero to hero. It has to be a graded approach from where you were last season. 
Okay, so that's the kind of how to do the low heart rate part of it. And six to eight hours a week does seem a lot rolling around in very low intensity. So can you to or should you to jolt the system or just bring in something a little bit novel in your week? Can you add like a VO2 max session? Can you do some Tabatas? And is that recommended? Yeah, you can definitely throw in two high intensity sessions per week. The structure I use working with my athletes and shout out, I am taking on a couple more at the moment. uh, You can pop an email on that one and figure it out. But if you are looking to add in rides, a block periodization system is what I typically do, where we work in four week blocks and each block has a defined goal, whether that's neuromuscular power, VO2 max or threshold. So we're interspersing probably two high intensity sessions into an endurance focused block. Um, You don't really want to start shifting away from that endurance focus until you have data that supports that shift. So you'd be looking at a shift in your lactate inflection point or increase in fatty acid oxidization rates. And then you can start to introduce more anaerobic work. And that'd be typically coming in closer to the season. Any other tips for somebody who is interested in trying this kind of training? I think like we spoke about on newbie questions yesterday, if you you can introduce types of cross training, especially at this time of year when you're very far away from your goal. Training specificity is really important. And training specificity means as you get closer to your target event, the demands of training should begin to mimic and mirror the demands of your target event closer and closer. So when you're four weeks out from your target race for the season, that's not when you want to be doing a six hour walk. But when you're six or seven months out from your target event, that's when you can add in stuff like weighted rucks. You can add in mountain walking. You can add in super long endurance days that maybe are cross-country skiing or rowing. And 100% of your training doesn't have to be on the bike right now. But as the months go on and you start getting a stretch in the evenings, that all changes. The other two um, like brilliant pieces of advice that you gave to me, and please everybody take this on board, is dress really well when you're going out in these low heart rate rides because you're going to freeze your ass off it's not like a normal ride where your heart rate is getting peaked and you're sweating and you're you know you're roasting put the layers on and then anthony also gave me another amazing piece of advice turn your parameter forget about your parameter forget about your watts just going to drive you absolutely crazy Yeah, you're not turning it off though you're just you're not paying attention maybe you don't have that data field up now, this is if you're off heart rate. You know, a lot of people will do, perform zone two rides off their parameters. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but you're doing it under the guidance of your coach. Because if you stick to your zones from the middle of the season, what's going to happen is you're going to start sitting at zone two power, but your body's not at zone two functionality. Your body's sitting at zone three and you end up digging a hole unbeknownst to yourself. You think you're doing base endurance training when you're just layering on a load of sweet spot training and you're working on, you know, in a place where there's elevated lactate production at maybe 75 to 82% of max heart rate, which is typically zone three, but you think it's zone two. Okay, well, wish me luck over the winter. I think I'm going to need it. Best of luck over the winter, Sarah. (laughs) Anthony, thanks very much. You're more than welcome to join me on my podcast every Saturday whenever you want to. Oh, you're grand. I'm going to enjoy my weekend off. (laughs) That's it for me, folks. I will talk to you again on Friday with Anthony for newbie questions. If you want to reach out to me at any point, you can get me on sarah at roadmancycling.com or on Twitter. And my handle is at Sarah Ann Egan. Mwah!